0: Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But they did know him for all that down in his own part of the country and, when he came near Gloucester, they lined the road, making prayers and lamentations. His guards took him to a lodging, where he slept soundly all night. At nine o'clock next morning he was brought forth leaning on a staff, for he had taken cold in prison and was infirm. The iron stake and the iron chain which was to bind him to it were fixed up near a great elm-tree in a pleasant open place before the cathedral, where, on peaceful Sundays, he had been accustomed to pray and to preach, when he was Bishop of Gloucester. This tree, which had no leaves then, it being February, was filled with people, and the priests of Gloucester College were looking complacently on from a window, and there was a great concourse of spectators in every spot from which a glimpse of the dreadful sight could be beheld. When the old man kneeled down on the small platform at the foot of the stake, and prayed aloud, the nearest people were observed to be so attentive to his prayers that they were ordered to stand farther back for it did not suit the romish church to have those protestant words heard his prayers concluded he went up the stake and was stripped to his shirt and chained ready for the fire one of his guards had such compassion on him that to shorten his agonies he tied some packets of gunpowder he tied some packets of gunpowder about him Then they heaped up wood and straw and reeds, and set them all alight. But unhappily the wood was green and damp, and there was a wind blowing that blew what flame there was away. Thus, through three-quarters of an hour, the good old man was scorched and roasted and smoked, as the fire rose and sank, and all that time they saw him, as he burned, moving his lips in prayer, and beating his breast with one hand, even after the other was burnt away and had fallen off. Cranmer, Ridley, and Latimer were taken to Oxford to dispute with a commission of priests and doctors about the Mass. They were shamefully treated, and it is recorded that the Oxford scholars hissed and howled and groaned, and misconducted themselves in anything but a scholarly way. The prisoners were taken back to jail, and afterwards tried in St. Mary's Church. They were all found guilty. On the sixteenth of the month of October, Ridley and Latimer were brought out to make another of the dreadful bonfires. The scene of the suffering of these two good Protestant men was in the city ditch, near Balliol College. On coming to the dreadful spot, they kissed the stakes, and then embraced each other. And then a learned doctor got up into the pulpit which was placed there, and preached a sermon from the text, "'Though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing.' When you think of the charity of burning men alive, you may imagine that this learned doctor had rather a brazen face. Ridley would have answered his sermon when it came to an end, but was not allowed. When Latimer was stripped, it appeared that he had dressed himself under his other clothes, in a new shroud, and, as he stood in it before all the people, it was noted of him, and long remembered, that, whereas he had been stooping and feeble but a few minutes before, He now stood upright and handsome, in the knowledge that he was dying for a just and a great cause. Ridley's brother-in-law was there with bags of gunpowder, and when they were both chained up, he tied them round their bodies. Then a light was thrown upon the pile to fire it. "'Be of good comfort, Master Ridley,' said Latimer, at that awful moment, "'and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle, by God's grace, in England, as I trust, shall never be put out.'" and then he was seen to make motions with his hands as if he were washing them in the flames and to stroke his aged face with them and was heard to cry father of heaven receive my soul he died quickly but the fire after having burned the legs of ridley sunk there he lingered chained to the iron post and crying oh i cannot burn oh for christ's sake let the fire come unto me And still, when his brother-in-law had heaped on more wood, he was heard through the blinding smoke, still dismally crying, "'Oh, I cannot burn! I cannot burn!' At last the gunpowder caught fire and ended his miseries. Five days after this fearful scene, Gardiner went to his tremendous account before God for the cruelties he had so much assisted in committing. Cranmer remained still alive and in prison. He was brought out again in February, for one more examining and trying, by Bonner, the Bishop of London, another man of blood, who had succeeded to Gardiner's work, even in his lifetime, when Gardiner was tired of it. Cranmer was now degraded as a priest, and left for death, but, if the Queen hated any one on earth, she hated him, and it was resolved that he should be ruined and disgraced to the utmost. There is no doubt that the queen and her husband personally urged on these deeds, because they wrote to the council urging them to be active in the kindling of the fearful fires. As Cranmer was known not to be a firm man, a plan was laid for surrounding him with artful people, and inducing him to recant to the unreformed religion. Deans and friars visited him, played at bowls with him, showed him various attentions, talked persuasively with him gave him money for his prison-comforts, and induced him to sign, I fear, as many as six recantations. But when, after all, he was taken out to be burnt, he was nobly true to his better self, and made a glorious end. After prayers and a sermon, Dr. Cole, the preacher of the day, who had been one of the artful priests about Cranmer in prison, required him to make a public confession of his faith before the people. This Cole did, expecting that he would declare himself a Roman Catholic. "'I will make a profession of my faith,' said Cranmer, "'and with a good will, too.' Then he arose before them, and took from the sleeve of his robe a written prayer, and read it aloud. That done, he kneeled, and said the Lord's Prayer, all the people joining, and then he arose again, and told them that he believed in the Bible, and that in what he had lately written he had written what was not the truth.' and that, because his right hand had signed those papers, he would burn his right hand first when he came to the fire. As for the Pope, he did refuse him and denounce him as the enemy of heaven. Hereupon the pious Dr. Cole cried out to the guards to stop that heretic's mouth and take him away. So they took him away and chained him to the stake, where he hastily took off his own clothes to make ready for the flames. And he stood before the people with a bald head and a white and flowing beard. He was so firm now, when the worst was come, that he again declared against his recantation, and was so impressive and so undismayed, that a certain lord, who was one of the directors of the execution, called out to the men to make haste. When the fire was lighted, Cranmer, true to his latest word, stretched out his right hand, and crying out, "'This hand hath offended,' held it among the flames, until it blazed and burned away." his heart was found entire among the ashes and he left at last a memorable name in english history cardinal pole celebrated the day by saying his first mass and next day he was made archbishop of canterbury in cranmer's place the queen's husband who was now mostly abroad in his own dominions and generally made a coarse jest of her to his more familiar courtiers was at war with france and came over to seek the assistance of england England was very unwilling to engage in a French war for his sake, but it happened that the King of France at this very time aided a descent upon the English coast. Hence war was declared, greatly to Philip's satisfaction, and the Queen raised a sum of money with which to carry it on, by every unjustifiable means in her power. It met with no profitable return, for the French Duke of Guise surprised Calais, and the English sustained a complete defeat. The losses they met with in France greatly mortified the national pride, and the Queen never recovered the blow. There was a bad fever raging in England at this time, and I am glad to write that the Queen took it, and the hour of her death came. "'When I am dead and my body is open,' she said to those around her, "'ye shall find Calais written on my heart.' I should have thought, if anything were written upon it, they would have found the words Jane Grey, Hooper, Rogers, Ridley, Latimer, Cranmer, and three hundred people burnt alive within four years of my wicked reign, including sixty women and forty little children. But it is enough that their deaths were written in heaven. The Queen died on the 17th of November, 1558, after reigning not quite five years and a half, and in the forty-fourth year of her age. Cardinal Pole died of the same fever next day. As bloody Queen Mary this woman has become famous, and as bloody Queen Mary she will ever be justly remembered with horror and detestation in Great Britain. Her memory has been held in such abhorrence that some writers have arisen in later years to take her part, and to show that she was, upon the whole, quite an amiable and cheerful sovereign. By their fruit she shall know them, said our Saviour, the stake and the fire were the fruits of this reign, and you will judge this queen by nothing else. End of chapter thirty